Happy birthday. You know what yours is mine, right? What's mine is mine. What yours is mine. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and what's that thought propelled me to what I was going to say, because I giggle about that, you know, when you can say, what's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine, you know, but that's not really how it works. And, and, in the king, and so, you know, I just wanted to encourage you and refresh you uh, with some word that it just enlightens and illuminates in your hearts and your minds what Holy Spirit was wanting to say. And so I was kind of giggling around, I was like, what is this mine and what's mine is mine, you know, not being selfish. Because in the kingdom, you know, there's really no selfishness. I'm not eating off of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that also led me to think, you know, with so much going on, it's kind of like we've all gotten, not, I don't say people here, I mean, just in general, just in, in an overview of, of the church in general, and it's the distraction of too much information is out there, so you don't even know what to believe, and then what happens is, is everybody's against this one and this one, and so then we start feeding from a different tree, and it's not the tree of life, and I just wanted to guide us back. Holy Spirit was wanting to guide us back to, to start eating off of, of life, because, you know, God, what when we have a revelation of who he is, then we have a revelation of who we are, because our, his life is our life, and a lot of times we forget that, and, um, you know, anyway, just wanted to refresh you with that, so the more you know about him, and what you doubt about Jesus is what you'll doubt about yourself, and what you doubt about yourself, you'll doubt about Jesus, what you doubt about, it's like, oh, he can't do, no, no, well, yeah, he can, well, I, I'm not that good, yeah, you are, and so start eating from the tree of life, and that way he can illuminate you, the spirit will illuminate you of that, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, I don't want to come to church anymore, I'm just so sick of it, or because of this, and because of that, because we've allowed so much information, well, they're eating from, we're starting to eat from the wrong tree, because what we want to happen is that we want our way, and what that tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, was opening their awareness of their self and their, what they could do. And, you know, it wasn't a bad thing that Eve wanted to be more like God. Who doesn't want to be more like God, you know? But what she didn't realize was she was already like God. And so the deception came in, and then it became about your works and performance to attain more and to be more when he just wants us to rest and have peace and just feed off of the life and the light. Because God is love, God is light, God is life and those things, and in Colossians, um, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So in body form of Jesus, God dwelled in him, the fullness of it. And so in him dwelled the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And he said, Paul said, you are complete in him. And then so that throws me to John, and that's where it's like, what's mine is mine, what's yours is mine. And you can read it because, you know, Jesus is talking, and it's in red and talking about Holy Spirit in chapter 16 or 17. And I love those two that flow together because he's telling them, you know, it's to your advantage I go away, and I'm going to send the helper, the paraclete, to walk alongside. And everything that I say, uh, I give it to him, and he's going to give it to you, and he's going to declare it to you. And declaring means he's going to announce it, he's going to illuminate, he's going to endorse heaven's opinion about you to you all of that and so it's really deep nugget that you just really have to concentrate on and not get like what's his is his and what he's got is his and what's his is mine you know and all those things and and Jesus wasn't selfish in that and then the next chapter he goes and he tells and he starts praying 
for himself and really praying when he does. I, I just encourage you to go read that. He wasn't really asking for anything. He was just declaring and saying, this is what we've done. I'm going to glorify you. My work is finished. Now glorify your son like I've glorified you on the earth. And then he prays for the disciples, you know, like they believed. And this is eternal life. And, you know, th and this is eternal life that they believed in me that whom you sent. And um, everything that you have, I have. And everything that I have, I'm giving to them. And I'm giving it to them by the Holy Spirit. And so I just want you to know everything that you have, you, you can walk in this dimension, in this earth dimension, in the heavens dimension of you are light, you are life, you are love because you're feeding off of the tree. You're letting everything, the Holy Spirit, and you're like, oh, I really don't have that. Well, see, then you're doubting yourself. So then are you really doubting Jesus, what he said, that Holy Spirit? He gave him authority over all flesh, which is this tent. I mean, over all of it. And he also prayed for the for the for believers um, in this in the world too that who believed in and he and do you believe that Jesus that God loves you the way that God loved Jesus? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he did? Well, that's good because he he does. And in John 17, um, I wrote it down, but I'm just trying to convey what Holy Spirit wants you to know is that you can walk in a greater dimension of the Spirit the more that you know because you can attain the full mystery of the treasures of God in Him because it's in you. And whenever you see things going on, there's a lot of information. Well, I'm going to speak light into that situation. I'm going to speak life into that situation. Even in the deepest depths of your heart where, you know, you might be hurting. And I said this last night when we were at John and Susan's. The depth of your wounds is no comparison to the height of your purpose in Christ because he's shining light and healing on any dark part because that's what light does. It illuminates. When you flip the light on, it helps you see. And Holy Spirit's turning the light on to help us see and be aware that what he has, I have. What Father has, he had. Now I have. I have all of that. You have all of that. I mean, I'm learning. This is just like, how can he keep getting better? Because it's another light coming on. Like, man, that's even better. I mean, it's not, I, I love that song. It's because it's like, I, how do I, the corner of one little piece of information that I have is so good. There's just so much vastness out there of how good he is. And so it's like, wow, I have that power to walk in the light like he did and to speak life and not to eat off of the tree because he said, I pray that you, I don't pray that you take them from the world. He's not praying that we get out of here. He just prays that we're kept from the evil one. Well, what's the evil one? A lot of times we think it's the enemy, but it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because that's where good and evil comes from. We're eating because then we start walking in our awareness, our, per our if effort, our performance. But he wants us to be kept from that, that little snake that could speak darkness into our heart, you know, and we want to feed our heart with good things so it can sprout out and grow. Anyway, I'll, I'll shut up. But so we start feeding off of the tree of life. That's what he's all saying there. That's what Holy Spirit is meant to do. So in praying, when you know what you have, you just are going to walk in it and it manifests. It can't help but manifest. So read how Jesus prayed in John chapter 16 and 17. And it'll, it'll really help you. And I'm like, oh, I just need to know who I really am and walk in it and let the light shine. Flip the light on. You know, the more you fight, the more battle there is. Well, you don't have to fight. When you don't fight, there's no battle because you got the light on, right? Okay, anyway. 
there's that. So <laughs> that's good stuff. I said, we're like Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you. It's good. Um, yeah, we've been been sharing and listening to some different podcasts. And, you know, when you, when you are in a certain, I guess, influence, when I was growing up, um, the influence was pretty narrow and confined to the people that were within that group. Does that make sense? I mean, if you grew up Church of Christ, and, and that was the influence you had, nothing wrong with that at all, but that's pretty much the influence that you had. You didn't walk outside of those circles. If you were Pentecostal, uh, I mean, you kind of stayed in those circles. And even in a non-denominational church growing up, we had a, a sphere of influence. We, we were pretty narrow, and we never got outside of uh, a lot of that. Um, so when you start getting outside of the the narrowness that you had, see, when you have narrowness and blinders on, uh, sometimes you don't see a lot of what God's doing in the peripheral of, of things because he's working everywhere. Amen. I mean, if you don't think he's not working in certain denominations, uh, even on the ones that you would think are most liberal, God still is working in and through them. Amen? And um, so when that sphere of influence started getting bigger and the light started being shined on different aspects, then things had to be tweaked. And like I said last week, dots really started connecting for me that never made sense before. And so as the dots connect, then this beautiful picture begins to become uh, clearer and more unveiled uh, to us. So we've picked up on some other people, Don Keithley and Popovich, what's his mic, Popovich, and, and watching and listening to some different um, things. And, you know, you have to take it little bites at a time, you know, those things that are brand new to you and you've never tasted before and you're just like, wow, <laughs> this is great. I don't think I can eat the whole meal, but this is good stuff. So you take bites of it. But then you start dig digging into um, things that the Holy Spirit says to you. They might say one thing in a one hour long message that gives you a inspiration. And um, so some things on prayer that we've been looking at are pretty amazing. And as the Lord allows, we'll release some of that. But I want to conclude this morning with our series um, that I have thoroughly enjoyed and learned from and believe that you have too as, we, as we've had conversations. And it, the, I believe it's been stuff that's very applicable to our life and, and the realities of the kingdom of God walking on the planet. You know, we talk about walking in the kingdom realm and pulling heaven to earth, but how do we apply that? What does that look like? What are the realities of that? And we started off, and we'll go back to 1 John 2, 6 at some point this morning in the message, but that's kind of where we launched from on October the 3rd, that we as believers ought to walk in the same manner that he himself walked, speaking of Christ. And a lot of times, um, people... Uh, especially when you start preaching some freedom and you allow for some freedoms, people are going to test the waters with that freedom. But Holy Ghost on the inside of us will pull us back in. He'll line us back up and begin to tell us what our responsibility as sons are and how we uh, should be walking. And I know that we've unpacked a whole lot of resources and information over the last several weeks as we talked about walking in faith and walking in the Spirit and walking as Christ 
odd to walk, but if you could get a hold of this statement, this is kind of where we'll launch from this morning, that our walk should be more about finding wholeness than it is achieving holiness. Hmm. I think there has been a lot of teaching in Christendom of what you need to do, how you should walk in order to achieve holiness. But I want to show you today in the scripture that you are already holy. See, our minds can't, that's hard for us to grasp that I can tell you that you're holy because you know what you did last night or what you said this week or the dog that you kicked or the road rage that you flipped the bird and you know whatever it was so we because of all these activities and behaviors well there's no way I'm holy but I'm going to show you that you are holy and therefore our walk is more about wholeness I could go around the room and hand the microphone to each one of you and you could tell us a part of their brokenness that uh, you're praying and asking God to make whole to fill that void. We all have something that we've gone through or are going through that needs healed, a wound. Um, so we've learned that it's okay to stop trying to get over what we're going through and just trust Him. That's the walk of faith. We just trust Him and walk. And last week we started understanding what it meant to be to walk in the Spirit. So today I just want to uncover some of these realities and the responsibilities and make it applicable because we're on a journey and there is a manner or uh, there is a way that we as Christians should be walking. And he said we ought. That word ought means must. It's a necessity and it's advantageous to us. So here's a reminder. Okay, This should be on the screen. This is a reminder. It, in the journey, it is the way of grace. That's what God has done for us through Jesus. And then it is the walk of faith that is our response to what God has done for us through Jesus. One is subjective, one is objective. And I always get subjective and objective mixed up. Subjective can't be changed. Um, what Christ did for you at the cross is the way of grace. You can't change His grace. You can accept it or reject it. That's the walk of faith. You respond to what he has done, and then you walk in response uh, to what he has done for you. Let's look at these two again as it pertains to walking in a manner that is worthy of the calling. The way of grace. He has made us worthy. He has made us holy. That's objective. Let me give you a scripture. You have your Bibles or your smart devices. It'll be on the screen. If you don't, let's go to Colossians, the first chapter, verse 12. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy. Do you see that? Our, we ought to be soiling, soiling, soaring in joyful gratitude when we think that God has made us worthy. How, what, he's made, what has he made us worthy of? To receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light or walking in the light. And how many of you know 1 John 2, 1, 7? 
we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, koinonia. We have intimate relationship with one another. And we're walking under the banner that the blood of Christ has, has cleansed us and continues to cleanse us for all, from all unrighteousness. Who's doing the cleansing? The blood of Jesus. Not your repentance or your lifestyle or your working. Now, see, when I say make statements like that, people automatically say, well, he, he's too soft on sin and he doesn't believe that people have to ask for forgiveness. We'll show you a few things here in a minute. Uh, I don't have to ask for forgiveness, but when I do, it clears up the highway that might be blocked up. Uh, I mean, he's still cleansing me from, has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. I don't have to keep asking him to do what he's already done. It's a finished work. But when there's something that's blocking my relationship with my wife, our relationship hasn't changed, but to, un to get that blockade out of the way so I can enjoy the benefits of the marriage relationship, there's some things that I have to say I'm sorry for. Okay? So you have been made worthy to receive the glorious inheritance. That's the way of grace. That's what Jesus did for you at the cross. Opened up the floodgates of heaven to pour out on you the inheritance that was his then there's the walk of faith go to Ephesians the fourth chapter verse one Paul is speaking to the church of Ephesus and he says therefore I a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called that's the walk of faith. That's what we walk out. It's subjective. Okay, so we said a little bit about this early on, but let's go back and review it to make a point and then look at two words in the Greek. The first one is walk. The word walk means to conduct or to live or the way that one lives their life. It's a lifestyle. The further definition uh, even infers following someone else, such as a rabbi, and stepping in step with the teaching and discipline of that rabbi and living that lifestyle. That's what uh, John said that we ought to be doing. We ought to walk as he walked, following his footsteps. So it, would it behoove us then to study the life of Christ and see how he walked when he was on the planet, how he treated people, as Lisa referred to a few, how he prayed, what was his prayer life like, why did he pray, what kind of prayers did he pray? Um, it was good to look at his lifestyle if we're going to walk the way that he walked. We could preach for months on end and not exhaust the subject of how Jesus taught and his example to us in treating people, uh, being one with the Father. There's a lot that we can live for, by his example and adopt that lifestyle that then would be uh, to our advantage, not only to our advantage, it would help our marriages, it would help our parenting skills, it would help our work relationships, it would help in society. It just would begin to change uh, everyone and everything that would walk the way that he walks. The second Greek word there, because he's talking about in Ephesians 4, 1, walking worthy. And Colossians told us that he's already made us worthy. So what's the word worthy? 
the word worthy in the Greek is axosia, or axos, and that's where we would get the word axis. So if you have something on an axis, there's about, if you put this next slide up that has the picture. See the axis point in the middle, it's a balancing. The balance here is, the word means it's suitable because it's recognized as fitting. It's weighing in assigning matched value. It means equivalent in value and worth. The Thayer's Greek lexicon says that worthy means to have corresponding value. So what Jesus, if you put on one side what Jesus did for you, that he did make you worthy, then on the other side, we should walk worthy. They're equal values here. He's made you worthy, so walk worthy. Of the calling is what Paul goes on to say in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. The way of grace and the walk of faith. Made worthy, walk worthy. So we rightly then assess that our worthiness is not based upon our walk. How many of you, by a show of a hand, a nod of a head, or a grunt, would say that you pretty much have been taught and learned and have the indoctrination of that the way you walk determines your worth and your value. And so if we can flip the script on that, if we can begin to change the way you think about yourself uh, and that you are worthy, uh, it, for some people that is a very difficult thing to even think. They don't have good self-esteem. They don't have good self-worth image because they've been uh, verbally abused. They've been talked down to. They've been told that they're not good for nothing. And so it takes a lot for them to overcome that mindset. But we want to try to uh, continually release to you a mind shift so that you can begin to know that God has made you worthy and that you are valuable. So that when you rightfully assess that and begin to believe that, then you'll understand that you don't have to walk a certain way to be accepted, to be loved, to be part of the family. But because you are, then you do walk a certain way. Uh, royalty were taught to walk with a certain posture. I mean, if you, we've watched... What have we watched? The Crown, um, something on Prime about uh, Victoria, um, all these British queens and kings, and even Queen Elizabeth to this day has a certain posture. She's up in her 90s, but she has a posture that she has been taught that she's walked a certain way that depicts that she is royalty. Do you see where I'm going? There are certain principles, there are certain postures that we should be um, representing as a son, as a child of God, um, that people would recognize that you are a child of God. Um, I have, over the last 12 years, begun to walk in a lot of freedom. There's a lot of, you can ask my family, there's a lot of freedom that I have that I wasn't walking in before. Uh, doesn't mean I wasn't going to heaven. I might not have thought I was. 
but I, I believe that heaven would have been my home and still believe that heaven will be my home. But in that freedom, I've also come to understand my responsibility as a son of God uh, to prefer others over myself. And so sometimes my freedoms stop. See a lot of nodding and shaking. Um, because if I don't, then I prefer myself over my brother, then I'll become a stumbling block to you. Because maybe on your journey, you're not at a place where you're free to do some of the things that someone who's a little more mature can do, or vice versa. And I could start giving you a list, but I'm not here to exhaust the list. I'm here to get you to begin to understand that there are certain responsibilities as sons. There is a posture that we should be walking in, that we ought to walk in as believers. That then we do lay aside some things that would weigh us down and that would weigh others down from running their race or walking their race out uh, with God. So walking worthy is an act that speaks of effort but not earning. See, if you have a mentality that what you're doing, you're walking a certain way and doing certain things in order to earn something from God, then that's a wage. And it's not a gift. But if you begin to understand that you've been given a gift and that gift is worthiness, then you there is effort in walking in a manner and a posture that is a representation of what you've been given. There's a direction of living. There's a path that he wants us to follow. And here's the easy part about that path that we're supposed to follow. The steps of a good man or a righteous man and woman are ordered of the Lord. You allow that inner voice of the Spirit to lead you and you walk in the steps that he directs you in and as he guides you in those steps then you're walking in the worth, a manner that's worthy of the calling of being called a son because you are worthy turn to your neighbor and tell him hey you're worthy it speaks of a continual and regular motion it's movement it's progress um thank god that the moment that you believe you were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. So the moment that you believed, you didn't have to do another thing. But if that was the end goal, then God should have killed us right then and taken us to heaven if that's the end goal. If all we're doing now is living and walking so that we can be worthy of going to heaven... You should have been translated not only into the kingdom of the invisible kingdom of his dear son, but you should have been translated beyond the veil to the realm of heaven. If that right? I mean, if that's the ultimate goal of getting saved. But it, there's more to it than that. He wants to give you not just eternal life, but abundant life, quality and quantity. I'm I'm experiencing quality of life. And there's some things that I'm realizing that I have to do if I want quantity. If I want years extended to my life, there are certain ways that I'm going to have to walk in the natural, changing different things. But in the spirit realm, you have been made worthy when you believed, and there is still a certain way that you ought to walk. Well, Paul talks to us about this in Ephesians, and he takes the first part. See, um, his letters weren't written in chapter and verse. 
when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, he didn't write chapter 1, verse 2. He wrote a letter, long-form letter. We have, in the canonization of Scripture, broken it down so it's easy for us to refer to certain portions of Scripture. So in the letter to Ephesus, in the first three chapters, uh, Paul reviews and he talks to the church at Ephesus about what God has done for them what God has given them, he goes so far to say he's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that you need for this life and for the godliness, the worthiness that you've received, has been given to you. And then he talks about what God has provided for them all through Jesus. Then he takes the second half, chapters 4, 5, and 6 is what we would refer to, in Ephesians in that letter. And then he begins to admonish them, encourage them, and to instruct them in how they ought to walk. We hear a lot of times people, Paul's the apostle of grace. Paul's the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul's also the apostle of telling you how you ought to walk. The responsibility of a son. And so as he instructs us on how we ought to walk, considering that we've already learned are in a manner worthy of their calling. That's the scripture we used from verse 1, chapter 4. So let's ask a question. What is your calling? A lot of people want to make that so deep that they spin their wheels for years trying to figure out what they are called to do. You're called to do one thing. You're called to be one thing. A son. That's your calling. God has called you his sons. Now, we all have different giftings and graces and abilities, purposes, but your calling, you have been made worthy by the blood of Jesus to be called a son of God. Now, now what begins to happen, this walk is living from the inside out. It starts with who you are, and then it moves to what you do. But for so long in Christianity, especially in Western Christianity, we've had the cart before the horse, and we've told people it's more about what you do so that you can become who you should be. I mean, that's almost the whole gospel of American church is to, if you do this, walk in this way, then you can be worthy of being called the son. But what Paul was telling the church at Ephesus and Colossia and Galatians last week that we looked at, what God did for you through the blood of Christ has already made you worthy of being called a son. Now walk this way. So now you're walking out of who you are instead of trying to become something. It makes it so much easier. It becomes a natural flow instead of forced. Giles and I were talking before the service, and he made comment that I don't make, I don't verbalize very much and say that God told me. I I really use I felt in my spirit or something like that because I have heard the audible voice of God speak to me one time in my life that I can recall. Now He speaks to me in my own mind and heart, and when He does, it's usually my voice that I'm hearing because it's familiar to me. Uh, he's shown me things. 
he'll touch my body. I'll be reading a scripture and I can feel it. I mean, we were talking last night and Jennifer saw the cold chills and the hair standing up on Susan's arm when we were talking about a certain subject last night. That was God touching her, moving in her life, speaking to her at that point, And it manifested in her body. What I believe must take place for us to enjoy the journey is to have the mindset of walking out, or Paul puts it this way, working out what has already been worked in. So what, what's been worked in? Salvation. Complete and total salvation. Worthiness. Accepted. This has been worked into you because he took his spirit and placed it in you when you believed. Uh, I, I reposted something that I posted a year ago. The Holy Ghost has a permanent address. He's moved into you and he never plans on moving out. And so if he's living on the inside of you, then he's placed in you the, the ability, everything that you need. Now, I know this sounds new age, and I'm not talking new age. I'm talking about the reality of the kingdom, that you have the indwelling spirit of God. That's not spooky. That's not mystical. It's a mystery. But God the Father, who sent Jesus the Son in the flesh, Lisa reminded us that in his body, he had the fullness of all the Godhead while he was walking the planet. And then he told them, it's to your advantage that I go away, because when I do, then I can put my spirit that had the fullness of the Godhead in it, inside of your body. And now he lives and moves and has his being in you. And so everything that you need is already on the inside of you. So now you walk out, or you work out, you live out what's already been worked into you. I think it makes it whole, a whole lot more sense, and I think it makes it, it a whole lot more. Uh, it makes it a whole lot easier. It's so the scripture is so simple that it took religion to confuse us about it all. I, I mean, we've had we've got so many different applications and interpretations and translations and all of which are okay and fine and good, but we've made it so difficult through religion that people can't understand that God didn't want to get behind you with a whip and drive you as a servant. He wanted to live on the inside of you and lead you and guide you as a son and put his DNA on the inside of you. A couple of things that we need to look at and we can glean from Scripture real quick. Let's jump back to the Old Covenant. Let's look at worthy. Okay, We're going to go all the way to Exodus 3. Can't talk. Exodus the third chapter. And in Exodus the third chapter, Moses comes up on a burning bush. And at this burning bush, if you've ever heard my dad say it's a bush, not a bush. But at the burning bush, he of the voice speaks out of the bush and tells Moses that he's on holy ground. And if Moses is on holy ground because of the old covenant, he's not worthy to stand or to have anything between him and God, so God tells him, take your shoes off. You're not worthy. So take your shoes off. You're not holy. Well, let's look at what how Jesus flips that whole mentality in the New Testament. Jesus isn't taking anybody's shoes off. He's putting people's shoes on them. Yeah. 
in the new covenant. We can go all the way over to Luke, the 15th chapter. It's the story of what we've been for years referred to as the prodigal son, but I see it as the prodigal father. And he comes to his senses and listen to his verbiage in Luke 15. Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son, but a servant. In the Living Bible, it says the father ignores the son's repentance and goes straight into bring me a robe. One translation says bring my robe. He takes his own robe to place it on his son to show him how worthy he is. In that culture, you were poor and you were an outcast if you didn't have shoes. But what does the father say to him? Get the shoes and put the shoes back on his feet. Why? Because now he's worthy and I don't see him any other than anything but my son. That's how the father sees you. Papa, put shoes on your feet because you're worthy to be called a son. I'm reminded of the psalm that David said that he's never seen God's seed begging for bread or without shoes. You know what that tells me in light of the new covenant? I don't have to beg God for anything. When I was immature, uh, I, I begged my dad for stuff. But there, there came a place of maturity that I didn't beg my dad for anything. I, I've asked for things before. Uh, and out of the goodness of his heart, being a carnal father, and he still gave good gifts to me. How much more does your heavenly father? We have got to change the mentality of being an unworthy servant who comes begging God to do things and get things that he's already done and given us. You've got to work out what's already been worked in. 1 John 2, 5 through 6 says that we can be sure that we truly come to live in intimacy with God and not just say, hey, I, I'm intimate with God, I have a relationship with Him. But how, So how do we do it? But by walking in His footsteps, walking how He walked. Jesus, the Son of God, how did He walk? I'm going to wrap it up here. While He was on the earth displaying the kingdom, how did He walk? I'm going to shoot a few things at you real quick. He walked in the light. He was the light, and he walked in the light. What does light do? Light illuminates. What did Colossians say that Jesus came to do? To illuminate to us or to reveal to us who the Father was. And 1 John 1, 7 says that if we'll walk in the light of, what Jesus, of how Jesus revealed the Father to us, then we can walk in that same light, and what we should we be doing? We should be revealing and illuminating to everyone around us how good the Father is. And then when I'm walking in the light and you're walking in the light, then we have fellowship, intimate relationship with one another. And then people visibly see the fellowship that we have with one another and that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us and they'll want what we've got. But if we're not walking in a manner worthy of a calling, there is a mass exodus from church in general. And from my standpoint, my viewpoint, the mass exodus is that most that I'm talking to are done with organized religion. They've seen what organized religion has done within the church and they don't want any part of it anymore. 
that's amazing to me because we need one another. There's something about seeing you that sparks um, a, a dose of the Holy Ghost boldness, encouragement, enthusiasm for the week. Uh, it, and it, I like coming back together on Wednesday nights for the fellowship and the food that we have there because it really just helps encourage and get us over uh, the hump uh, of the week. But Jesus walked in light. He walked in love. Second John 1 7 says that he has commanded us that we also walk in love. Where did he command us? That's the only commandment in the new covenant, that we ought to love one another as he loved us. That's with an unconditional love. Jennifer, would you mind to play? Thank you. I believe Paul captures some of this in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 6. And this is the way he says it, and I'll have Joanna slowly put them on the screen. Talking about walking in a manner worthy of being called a son, walking in the footsteps of Jesus, emulating the way that he walked in our walk. We've got to be gentle, completely humble and gentle. There are some people that I'm in relationship with that have really enjoyed the message of freedom that we've preached over the last seven or eight years. They're really enjoying it. But they're not humble and gentle. And, and because they've not yet gotten to that place where they can be humble and gentle, their freedom is allowing them to just run over top of everybody and make comments that are unbecoming of a son and actually downright rude towards other human beings and dehumanizing. And if your freedom, so my freedom should never be more important to me than my relationship with you. Humble and gentle. Now, humble is not weakness. It's power under control. And you can be humble and gentle with one another. What's the next one? Be patient. We didn't, why do we need to be patient? We need to be patient with one another as we walk out this journey because some of us are not where others are on the road. Some have gotten great revelations and are far ahead of Some of them have just started out on the journey. And we've got to be patient with those. I, you know, sometimes I have to be cautious and I have to really go back and say, well, Lord, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm not trying to put anybody down because just a few years ago I, I, I was where they are. Lord, help me be patient with them. What's the next one? Be generous. Hold on to your pocketbook. To that generosity, we automatically we're going to go to finances. We're going to be generous. Be generous with your kindness with people. Be overkind. Be generous with your love and your patience with, with one another. Be generous. See, I don't believe that God would ask you to give anything that you don't have. So, you know, you hear messages on being generous and people put guilt on you or begin to manipulate you. Oh, there's five people here that need to give $1,000. Come on, God's calling you. Give $1,000 today. You need to be generous. 
He's not going to tell you to give anything that you don't have and don't ever give to the kingdom on credit. In other words, don't use your credit card to support any ministry. But be generous. What's next? Make an effort to keep unity. Well, we could stop right there and camp out for a couple weeks and talk about making an effort to keep unity. It is pretty obvious that our country is more divided right now in the climate that we have politically than we've probably ever been since I've been alive. 52 years tomorrow. The sad thing about all of that is it's a reflection of just about how divided the church is. Are we making any effort to keep unity? Now, I'm not talking uniformity that we all wear the same clothes, say praise God, the same way. I'm not talking about uniformity. You all have to drive white SUVs. You all have to shop at Walmart. You all, I'm not talking about uniformity because there is diversity in unity. But are we making an effort for unity? I mean, I could throw out two hot topics right now, boom, boom, and just by speaking those topics, the whole room would begin to take sides in their mind. It's okay to have your opinion, but really the only opinion that matters is the one that the Holy Spirit speaks in your life, working out what's already been worked in. Are you making an effort? Am I making an effort to walk in unity? Be alert. Think, is it Peter that says be sober, be vigilant? What he's saying to us is be alert. Just watch. You're not walking by sight, but watch. Then let the Spirit guide in your alertness. And then lastly, I believe, yes. Would you stand with me? There's, I want us to acknowledge, to realize, and to accept three things as we close out this service. And we're going to say them together because I believe that when we say things and it really starts getting into our spirit, we can hear it. And it not, gets, not only gets in our mind, but it gets in our hearts. So let's say together, we're going to say those three big words and then we're going to read the sentence after it. We're going to do it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Acknowledge, realize, and accept that I've been empowered to walk in the newness of life. Romans 6, 4 says that we've been empowered to walk in the newness of life. You've been given a brand new life. Not a whole lot of people have started walking in that newness of life. It's a gift. It's been given to you. But you have to acknowledge, you have to realize, and you have to accept that you've been empowered to walk in the newness of life. One, The second one. We'll say it on the count of three. One, two, three. We acknowledge, realize, and accept that we've been empowered to walk in the wisdom of God. We've been talking about wisdom on Wednesday nights and how to uh, receive from God uh, through Jesus wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1st chapter verse 30 says that Christ is our wisdom. So if we walk in His footsteps, we're empowered to walk in the wisdom of God in every area of our life, in our health, in our finances, in our relationships. I acknowledge and I accept and I realize that I have been empowered to walk in the wisdom of God. Say these things this week. 
not just as a positive assent of your mind, but really believe and acknowledge that you've been empowered. And this is the last one that we'll read together. One, two, three. I acknowledge and realize and accept that I've been empowered to walk in good works. It's by grace through faith that I've been saved. Not so that I can boast. Not any man would boast of if it was his own works. But I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's walking out what's been worked in. That's walking in a manner worthy of being called a son. I believe and I acknowledge that each of you are children of God, created in His image and empowered to walk in the wisdom of God, to walk in the newness of life, and to walk in the works, the good works that God has for you. And so as we finish up this series, and we're, we've talked a lot about walking a certain way, um, I would go back and I would listen. If you've missed any of them, they're all out on our YouTube channel. All four weeks will be out there and you can listen to those at any time and glean from those and share with others uh, the way that we ought to be walking and following in Christ's footsteps. Um, I've, in, I've learned. I've enjoyed sharing. And I'm encouraged by your response to questions that you have so a man made worthy a woman made worthy walking in agreement with how his father knows him to be is a man of eminent worth so that's my desire that's our goal is we just want to keep sharing and feeding and giving you information that you can study out so that you can walk in all that God has for you Amen. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? We prayed. If there's other needs that need to be mentioned, we'd be glad to pray with you, anoint you with oil, agree with you. If there's any needs at all.